www.healthcmi.com, acupuncture continuing education online. Today, a little bit about state laws in Texas and nationally in the United States for acupuncture. So this mostly applies to licensed acupuncturists, today's podcast. What we find is that the Texas State Board of Acupuncture Examiners has changed some of the regulations for acupuncture continuing education. We'll cover that. We'll talk a little bit about a twist from the NCCOM on a national level, but broadly for our general listeners, I want to say that although acupuncture has now been included in the Medicare system in the U.S., for example, that is still very limited to only low back pain and only if it's not related to surgery. And why? Because within the Medicare system, it was decided that using acupuncture can be used for low back pain and it prevents addiction to opioids. In other words, it's a, an important non-pharmacologic intervention for pain. Studies support the use of it, and then it got bumped into the Medicare system, but it's very limited. Implementation, um, I will say, is awkward. That might be slightly euphemistic. In other words, a licensed acupuncturist who's dedicated years of study to doing this may not be the person in the Medicare system giving you acupuncture. In fact, it could be someone with little to zero training under the Medicare system. Now, we hope to see that improved in the future, but what's happening here is that um, MDs are the only ones who can bill for it. So depending on state laws, an MD may be able to uh, use acupuncture and call it acupuncture with little to zero training. Um, and in some areas, they may have tremendous amount of training and are highly qualified. It really varies. So quality and caliber of, of care is not relegated to the oversight of an expert licensed acupuncturist, unfortunately. So that is a huge issue. In fact, nurse care practitioners can do it. Uh, some areas they might allow a physical therapist or other health care provider to do it who may not have any training in acupuncture whatsoever. As long as they bill it under an MD's license, it's covered by Medicare. So it's a clumsy rollout, but this is how government programs work. They, they're recognizing the need to address the opioid crisis. They're trying to offer non-pharmacological alternatives, and they're trying to roll it out in a way that seems consistent with what they've already done. However, this is a little bit new for them, and they had really better discuss this with the state acupuncture boards and the national board. Uh, because we literally know who the experts are in this field. And if they really want to talk about orthopedics, uh, a licensed acupuncturist really is the way to go. So that's the Medicare system, a little clumsy, but at least it's something uh, people get initially 12 visits. Doctors can write up a little script, get maybe a few more to up to 20 visits a year. It's a start. At least they're looking at the research and recognizing all of that research and what a lot of research it is. In fact, we covered that recently in the article entitled Acupuncture University Research Discoveries. That was from Georgetown University, Harvard Medical School, Tufts University, Emory University, University of California, and more, including endorsements for acupuncture for the use of back pain by the American Academy of Physicians. That's also at healthcmi.com. Click on news and look for that article, Acupuncture University Research Discovery. So in response to all of that research, they are looking, you know, the government is looking for realistic, cost-effective alternatives to addiction due to pain. So the implementation, all right, it's a little clumsy on the rollout, but hopefully it will refine and get people to experts who are best suited to treating that. 
Uh, in some ways, I feel like it's like saying someone gave you dental insurance, but you're going to see a podiatrist for your dentistry. You know, it just, I think it's a little clumsy, but, you know, government works with broad strokes, but we have to really get out the fine brush on this one and really fix that. But it's a start. So for Texas acupuncturists, the uh, Texas State Board of Acupuncturists, again, each state, a lot of these states have very tough standards and Texas is no uh, exception to the rule. So they really, really carefully monitor their acupuncturists, their education level and requirements and upkeep on the education. So their new requirement is 34 hours of continuing education every two years. And that must include eight hours of general acupuncture therapies, two hours of ethics and safety, six hours of herbology, and four hours of biomedicine uh, for licensed acupuncturists to maintain their license. This is on top of the thousands of hours that these acupuncturists have needed to get in education and degrees before, and sitting for boards before getting their acupuncture license. Again, this is the type of person you want giving you acupuncture, someone who's been really spending a lot of time. Now, Health CMI is an official Texas State Board of Acupuncture Examiners CAE provider for continuing education. We are provider number 14. So we've been doing that for a long time, according to the uh, Texas Administrative Code Title 22, Part 9. Uh, that's not all, though. The NCCOM also has a few new changes. They um, they do require CPR. They have a new automated system where we report all of the educational courses that acupuncturists have taken at healthcmi.com for their continuing education. And we do send that directly to the NCCOM. So when people need to renew their license, all of that certificate stuff is automatically uploaded into the NCCOM system, except for CPR. So they... They don't assign what they call a PDA number to it anymore. It, it is worth four PDAs or CEUs. One CEU equals one PDA. But providers, acupuncturists are basically still required to download the certificate from Health CMI and then re-upload it manually to the NCCOM system. But everything else is automated. So that's a one-time exception for CPR. But for safety courses, ethics courses, and general herbs, acupuncture, everything else is automatically uploaded. But they have made an administrative decision to have CPR removed from the PDA system formally, require it, but have it done manually by each provider. So not sure the thinking behind it, but it's it's not that terrible because although acupuncturists still need to do one course manually in the upload system, which is relatively easy, everything else is automated. So I think it's great. Uh, this will really make life easier for acupuncturists. And again, I'm very grateful that we do have a national board. There are a lot of countries that don't. And that type of oversight really does help to ensure that people have a certain caliber and standard of education. Um, same is true in Florida, by the way, because Health CMI is, uh, well, NCCOM, we're provider 602, but in Florida, we are the Florida Board of Acupuncture provider 50-8697. And we also automatically upload everyone's credits there, for example. So literally the state boards are carefully monitoring not only the licensing of acupuncturists and the boards that they take to get licensed, but also the upkeep of education on their licensure. And then part of the Healthcare Medicine Institute is, is being responsible and reporting all that information for people so that there's a direct confirmation that they got the education. And that's what you really want. People always say, well, what about an acupuncturist in my area? Well, you know, when you're shopping for a podiatrist or an orthopedist or a periodontist or whoever you're looking for, 
there really is nothing better than the personal recommendations of friends and family who've had good experience with individuals. But at the very least, they need to be licensed in their state or province, depending if you're in Canada, United States, Mexico, uh, Switzerland, wherever you are. And hopefully uh, they have different board memberships, maybe through a diploma, through the NCCOM, things like that. So that's a little bit about Chinese medicine in the U.S. Again, this was primarily for licensed acupuncturists today. I wanted to talk about Medicare a little bit so that everybody had a chance to understand a little bit about acupuncture and herbal medicine in the United States. The one thing we see that is really missing, and this is costing lives, is the lack of herbal medicine pharmacies in hospitals within the USA. And again, those must be run by trained licensed acupuncturists who spent hours, thousands of hours studying herbal medicine. This is not a hodgepodge type of thing. This is an ancient science, but it is a modern science supported by a lot of research. For example, herbal formulas like Lian Hua Qingwen have been shown to prevent viral replication of coronavirus and influenza. In fact, I know they're in phase three FDA clinical trials right now with Lian Hua Qingwen on the treatment of influenza. So this is not a lightweight herbal medicine. Now, people understand herbal medicine when it finally reaches them in a pill delivered by their favorite pharmaceutical firm. So for example, if God forbid someone gets malaria, they take a pill and they think it's a drug. That's kind of a drug. It's actually Ching Hao, the herb concentrated or a synthetic version of it. And that was from Nobel laureate Tu Yu Yo, who got the Nobel Prize in Medicine a few years back for helping make that discovery. She got, well, she was only recently recognized for it a few years back, but in reality, she had discovered this in the early 1970s. And brilliant. She took Ching Hao and she read an ancient book from 200 years ago saying, no, don't do a high heat extract of the active ingredient. Instead, do a low temperature extract. And so she tried that based on the ancient book and it worked. So for mass production purposes, I, I don't know if they initially did an ether extract or something at a much lower temperature. They were to preserve the active ingredient and then have come up with a cure. So very clever. So you're, you're mixing modern science with ancient ancient ways of, and discoveries. They The Chinese have, have known for over a thousand years to cure from malaria, but using modern science, we were able to actually mass distribute this type of product. And remember that a lot of acupuncturists might want to boil something like that, but we've discovered that actually it was the room temperature extract. Um, think of a sun tea or something where you squeeze out the herb, which is more effective. And that's an art in and of itself, how each herb responds to different temperatures, different types of extraction, whether through fats and oils, whether through water, etc. That's a very big deal of how to deliver active ingredients to people. And the Health CMI Botanical team does work with the herbal medicine companies on that type of outreach and quality support. So again, thank you for listening today. I hope you really enjoyed that. We do want to see herbal medicine come to the hospitals in terms of granularies, which are concentrated granules or raw herbs. Uh, we're a long way off from that, but remember thousands and thousands of hospitals in China already are using this effectively. The research is there supporting the fact that we're making cost-effective improvements in patient outcomes within China using herbal pharmacies. So that's something to think about. It's cost-effective outcomes supported by research. So that's why we are looking forward to seeing that implementation throughout the U.S. as well. I'm Adam White, licensed acupuncturist. Thank you for listening. 
www.healthcmi.com.